0: Welcome back to the Full Court Press, presented by the Stony Brook Press. It is Thursday, October 24th. The NBA is back. We are back also. Anthony, how's it going? Uh, I'm doing pretty well. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. You know, uh, end of the week, so I'm pretty excited after a couple midterms earlier in the week.
1: James, how's the week
0: treated you? Yo, it's been all
1: good, man. Hitting the gym.
0: The NBA is back. So, let's start off with the first game of the season, actually. A couple nights ago, The New Orleans Pelicans taking on the Toronto Raptors, reigning, defending NBA champions, Toronto Raptors, I should say. Toronto picking up the win here, 130 to 122. But there were a few um, things that we should really mention coming out of this game. I think the first thing for me, Toronto, as I said, the champs, they lost Kawhi Leonard, so it was kind of like, oh, who's going to pick up the the scoring? Who's going to pick up the slack? And Pascal Siakam and Fred Van Vliet, Both got 34 points in a great showing for both of them. Siakam fouled out, but he was still decisive. And Van Vliet actually playing as a starter now to start the season. 44 minutes, 34 points, 7 assists. Clutch late in the game. What did you guys make of this? I mean, the Raptors played a
2: hell of a game. Uh, As you said before, Siakam and Van Vliet both had 34 points, which is a career high for Van Vliet. Um, I think... Putting him in the starting role over Danny Green was definitely a good decision by their head coach, Nick Nurse. I think because he was so good in the finals last season, putting him in over, let's say, like a Norman Powell or OG and Inobi could definitely work, or definitely did work last night. Um, but don't take away credit from the Pelicans. I mean, they played a hell of a battle. I mean, Brandon Ingram, um, Derek Favors, and those boys, they definitely did really really well um ultimately it just came down to like a few mistakes at the end during ability to score in overtime but overall i think both teams played a really hard game to start the season
0: yeah it was a tremendously entertaining game and what a hell of a way to kick off the season overtime in the first game close all the way down to the final moments of the game Uh, James, what were were your takeaways from this game?
1: Uh, I was rooting for the Pelicans, so I was pretty impressed by Brandon Ingram getting 22 points on his new team, especially uh, Lavar Ball, sorry, Lavar Ball, hell? Lonzo Ball, getting 8 points, 5 assists, 5 rebounds from 25 minutes. Um, Josh Hart had 15 points, and overall the distribution of points was pretty equal. Not to mention that some of these players, it's their first game on a new team, so to go to overtime, it's not only impressive, but it's good experience for them to have going into the season.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I thought the Pelicans played really well for what was really their first game as a group. Um, there were some changes, too, in relation to their preseason. Obviously, Zion Williamson, a bit more on that later, but Zion didn't play out for six to eight weeks with a meniscus injury. So, you know, we had J.J. Redick and Brandon Ingram starting. I wasn't really sure if um, Alvin Gentry would start both of them, actually, but he ended up doing that with, um, with Zion out, which I don't think is going to happen when he comes back. But yeah, Lonzo, I was a little bit disappointed in his game. I thought he started off hot. He um, made a three in the opening minutes of the game, but then he kind of faded off, got benched actually during most, if not all, of the fourth quarter. But Brandon Ingram had an impressive game, 22 points, like you said, James. He was active, looking for the ball, looking for his shot. He was definitely taking contact, going into the paint, despite you know his very, very slight frame and thin arms. But... I thought the Pelicans played well here. Um, First game of the season, definitely a lot to improve on. And I don't think that a lot of things that Alvin Gentry did here are going to stay. Like, I don't think you're going to have a 12-man rotation with all of them playing over 10 minutes. I don't think that's sustainable throughout the season, or especially if they make the playoffs. My mic fell for a minute. But, yeah, I mean, if they make the playoffs, I don't think Alvin Gentry is going to do that. But this is a really, really talented roster. And I know, James, you had a question about Zion Williamson that you wanted to bring up.
1: All right, you reckon this is going to be the biggest injury in his career, or there are more to come because of his play style? Like, he's got that Derrick Rose explosiveness about him. Um, Not to mention he's 6'6", 280 reportedly, um, and only going to get stronger and more muscular, more toned up. So I can only see him getting injured, unfortunately more in his career.
2: I mean, to take that question, is it the biggest injury in his career? I mean, his injury, I mean, his injury, his career just started. I mean, I think, you know, over the span of a player's career, he's definitely going to get multiple injuries at least. Um, Is it a big injury? Yes. Does it suck that he's going to most likely, in my opinion, be out for his entire rookie season? Yeah, that sucks, but um, look at the previous players that have had similar injuries. You know, Blake Griffin and Ben Simmons, for example. They both had similar knee injuries, and they both had to miss their rookie years, and look how they turned out, you know. I think Zion Williamson should not rush to come back. I think Alvin Gentry and the Pelicans should take his injury, like, you know, one day at a time. And hopefully, Zion Williamson will definitely return to full strength.
1: The thing is, like, the area of the injury is pretty severe, but the actual severity of the injury is only six to eight weeks what kind of you know injury is waiting for him if he plays at
2: 110% i mean when you play at 110% you just kind of have to go with what you know what the hits are you know if you don't get injured great if you do get injured it sucks i mean do you want zion williamson to miss the entire season no um, but in my personal opinion, I think Zion Williamson will miss the entire season. I don't think it's a great idea for Williamson to come back just because there is a high chance of re-injury to his knee. So my personal opinion, I think the Pelicans just shut down Zion Williamson, let him come back next season. Hopefully next season he could win Rookie of the Year and he can advance his career from there.
0: Yeah, my personal opinion is that Zion, um, as we saw at Duke when he injured his foot, actually, we all know about that game against UNC. Um, You know, his shoe literally exploded and he got injured. He was back quickly. There were people saying, oh, Zion should just shut it down for the rest of the season. He's going to be the number one pick anyways. Why risk coming back and getting injured? And Zion said, hey, like, I want to play March Madness. I want to play the NCAA tournament. I want to be a part of that with my teammates. Now, is that going to be the same case in the NBA? I really don't know. The Pelicans are going to have a lot more control over their player and their player's decisions than the Duke basketball staff did, I would imagine, mainly because Zion is now a multi million dollar asset for them. So, should Zion play for the rest of the season selfishly? I hope he does. You know, I can't wait to see him in the NBA. He looked like a wrecking ball during preseason. But if there is a risk of him getting injured or re aggravating that injury or just not making sense from a Pelicans basketball standpoint, then yeah, they should shut him down for the rest of the season. I mean, Anthony, you said Ben Simmons, prime example. Blake Griffin worked for him as well. Michael Porter Jr., too early to tell, but he looked good in preseason. So I think that one year of getting um, you know, used to the NBA lifestyle, I think that can be just as useful as being on the court. So you know, it will be interesting to see if Zion does come back after this six to eight week period personally I don't think he is gonna come back. I think that in six or seven weeks, maybe even a bit less, the Pelicans are gonna put out a statement and say, hey you know Zion's been shut down for the rest of the season. I mean worst
2: case scenario you don't want Zion Williamson to go through what Kevin Durant did with the Golden State Warriors. I mean Durant had an injury in the playoffs and whether or not he rushed to come back, you know we will never know but either way he came back against in the finals against the Raptors. Reinjured himself, himself. Now look at where he's at. He's now out projected for the whole season. And that's potential potential uh, career, a potential part of his career that's now lost. You know, Zion Williamson, yes, he hasn't played in the NBA yet, but you don't want that kind of scenario to happen to him too. So I think for the Pelicans, the best decision is just to play his injury safe. Um, if you can shut him down, I think they should until he's like 100% healthy. And then he should just play from there.
1: Okay, really unrelated, but I'll get to my topic. So LeBron James wanted to switch from 23 to 6, and the NBA wouldn't let him. No, sorry, Nike wouldn't let him because they had already printed too many shirts. So that's the power that sponsors have in the NBA. So no one's going to force Zion Williamson to play, but you reckon that you know his sponsors won't say, hey, Zion, get back on the courts as soon as possible. Will influence him?
0: Well, I mean, I think it's definitely a possibility, but... It's not gonna be something explicit. It's not not gonna be something that we know about or that's gonna be publicly discussed, I feel like. I know that a bunch of people said during Ben Simmons' first season in the NBA, um, before they shut him down, that, hey, um, if Simmons wins rookie of the year, then he can get some sort of bonus from his Nike contract or something like that. So it's definitely a possibility, but all we can do is speculate. But that's the fun part of basketball, speculating. All right, moving on to the next game, though the LA Clippers and the LA Lakers. Clippers home game, but it sounded much more like a Lakers home game, which I guess is to be expected when you play at Staples Center. The Clippers winning the battle for LA on this occasion, 112 102 over the Lakers, in what was a very, very noteworthy game. First of all, on the Lakers side, we saw the debut of, you know, Quinn Cook. Just kidding. LeBron James. <laughs> Back at it after a lackluster first season, Anthony Davis in his debut, Dwight Howard coming back to L.A., putting up some minutes for them. I didn't really like that, but, you know, it is what it is. Danny Green, who had a great game, 28 points in 32 minutes. I did not expect that at all, Um, if I'm not mistaken. That's his career high in the league, actually. And the Clippers, obviously Kawhi Leonard, back at his best, picking up where he left off last season. Montrez Harrell, Lou Williams, Patrick Beverley. Great, great showings from them. And keep in mind, they didn't even have Paul George, who is their top two... I'm sorry, who is their complement to their top guy in Kawhi Leonard. And he's an all-star. So the fact that the, the Clippers were able to get away with this win, not even get away, they deserved this win, the Clip, that the Clippers were able to win this somewhat comfortably, I would say, towards the end of the game. That's a huge statement from the team that I consider to be the number one team in the league. I totally
2: agree. Um, this is a game that, in my personal opinion, the Lakers should have won. I mean, you had LeBron, you had Anthony Davis. Yes, a bunch of new guys are there. So um, Frank Vogel had to figure out you know, what rotations he was going to go with and how everyone was going to play. But LeBron only having 18 points and Anthony Davis has tw- only had 25 points. They could have had better games, but you also have to give credit to the Clippers' defense overall as a team. I think putting Patrick Beverly on LeBron, uh, you know, Kawhi with his defensive assignments, I think the Clippers overall did a really good job defensively, and even offensively as well. I mean, Kawhi had 30 points, I believe, so he definitely showed up through the absence of Paul George. Lou Williams had another good game to combat, you know, Danny Green's 28. And also, too, for the Lakers, you know, you don't expect Danny Green to go for 28 every game. He's usually around like a 10-point-per-game score. So because you lost by 10 without um, Paul George being with the Clippers, I mean, it's not a good look. I mean, yeah, it's only the first game of the season. But I think the Lakers, you know, when they play the Clippers again, especially on Christmas, I think they have to definitely, you know, bring their A game.
1: Just remember the Lakers don't have Kyle Kuzma. And also, LeBron was one rebound and two assists away from a triple-double on one of these terrible games, supposedly, right? Anthony Davis had 10 rebounds, 25 points in a in his brand-new team. Like, these players are just adjusting, not to mention JaVale McGee. I mean, he only had four points, two rebounds in 17 minutes, but all these little players can pitch in to make a contribution.
0: Yeah, I mean, two things here. First, James, yeah, you're right, Kyle Kuzma does have to come back still, but I'm not sure he's the answer to what the Lakers kind of struggled with. I think the Lakers really... They couldn't guard Kawhi Leonard, no matter who was on him. They tried Danny Green on him, which sort of worked, but not really. I mean, at least Danny Green made him work for his shots. They tried KCP on him, which was atrocious. By the way, shout out to KCP, 27 minutes, zero points, and five fouls. I'm I'm not sure how he played that much. In fact, I'm not even sure why he's still such a big part of the rotation for the past two years. But, you know, good, good on him, he's you know, he signed to clutch sports, so I guess that's why he's on there. And yeah, I mean, I was very, very impressed, Anthony, like you said, with how the Clippers were able to guard LeBron James. And I know that us three and Daniel, who cannot be here today due to other commitments, we were talking about it yesterday, but the Clippers have so many guys who can guard LeBron or make him uncomfortable. Like you said, Anthony, they had Patrick Beverly on him for a stretch of time. They had Kawhi on him for a stretch of time. Mo Harkless can guard LeBron James. Jamichael Green can guard LeBron James. Paul George is going to be able to guard LeBron James when PG is back. And in fact, I wouldn't be surprised if these two teams meet in the playoffs. I think Paul George is going to be LeBron's primary defender. The Clippers have so many guys who are versatile, who are big, long. They can shoot the three as well. Jamichael Green, 12 points. Mo Harkless, 10 points. Montrezl Harrell, he's just devastating in that pick-and-roll combo with Lou Williams. You get both of those guys off the bench, that's instant offense, and I don't think the Lakers can replicate that, because you look at the bench numbers, the Clippers obliterated the Lakers bench. I mean, who do you have here? Jared Dudley, six points. Quinn Cook, four points. Dwight Howard, three points. None of those um, numbers are good enough, and to be honest... A solution to this might be having Kuzma come off the bench. I'm not sure. I don't see where Kuzma fits in the starting lineup. Anthony Davis is going to play the four, at least to start games. So do you put Kuzma at the two? Um, do you put LeBron at the one? I mean,
2: I mean, I think ultimately what Frank Vogel might end up going with is putting LeBron at the three, AD at the four, and maybe JaVale McGee at the five and have Kuzma maybe be like a 6 man off the bench. And, yeah, no, I totally agree with you. I mean, the Lakers bench just didn't show up in that game. I mean, you when the Clippers bench, I understand they have Lou Williams, you know, former Sixth Man of the Year, and they have a lot of other guys like Shamit who can, you know, produce. That point differential is just inexcusable. I mean, with Kawhi Leonard having a good game, you know, There's only so much Anthony Davis and LeBron can do by themselves. You know, Danny Green came in in a big way, which was great for them. But overall, I mean, their bench has to show up. Otherwise, they're gonna.
0: It's the same same results gonna happen again. LeBron deferred a lot to AD during this game. He was constantly feeding him the ball in the post, looking for Anthony Davis to be the Lakers' number one option, at least in this first game. Which, okay, I understand. You know, LeBron has been all about making Anthony Davis feel comfortable ever since AD got to LA not just with the number thing that James mentioned earlier, but also you know giving him touches, feeding him the ball in the post. Um, they didn't run pick and roll as much as I hoped they would, but I'm guessing that's going to come eventually. So do you guys think that the Lakers can be that championship-winning team
1: with AD as the first option, or does it have to be LeBron? The thing is, like we have just seen the best version of the Lakers, whereas there's no Paul George in the Clippers yet. So there is a ceiling for the Lakers right now. But for the Clippers, there's none. They can only get better. And that's the scary part. Because if the Lakers could not handle what they faced the other night, Paul George will only make them will only make it more evident that there is a gap between the Lakers and the Clippers. Also, I mean, it's not like Rajon Rondo and Kyle Kuzma are comparable to Paul George and uh Lou Williams, sorry, my bad. Um, at the very best, I only see the Lakers making the Western Conference Finals. Whereas the Clippers, their expectations of the championship, and it's not crazy to think that they might actually win it.
2: I kind of disagree with you. I mean, I think the Lakers can make it to the finals, Um, but to answer your question, I think LeBron would have to be the first option in order to let that happen. I mean, there's only so much Anthony Davis can do at the fourth spot. Meanwhile, LeBron is very versatile. He could play one through five. Um, Mainly, he'd probably play point guard or a small forward most of the time. But yeah, I mean, the Lakers can definitely make the finals and even win it, in my opinion. Um, But I just think the Clippers overall are just too talented. They've been with each other for a while. The Lakers are kind of still a new squad, kind of formulating what they're going to do together. So, I mean, the first game showed that the Clippers, most of their pieces were already together. And, again, that showed. So, the Lakers, I think, can definitely beat the Clippers in a seven-game series. Whether or not I think that'll happen, I don't think it will, but it's definitely possible.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think it's possible. I also don't expect it to happen, but I think it's too early to say that the Lakers you know, have a ceiling or whatnot just because Kuzma has to get back, and also LeBron and AD have to start getting used to playing with each other on a regular basis, which is going to happen as they get more reps, more practices in, and all of that. But I know we're running a little bit short on time here because we all have stuff to do. It's getting very, very busy. October and November probably the busiest months at Stony Brook. So let's move on to yesterday's games, yesterday night's games. The Celtics and the 76ers. The Sixers picking up the win here 107 over 93. Great, great game from Ben Simmons. He was very, very aggressive, driving to the point, the paint, using his physicality. He had nine assists as well, sharing the rock like he does, using those big, big point guard skills that he possesses at 6'10, 6'11. This is the type of game that I'm hoping Ben Simmons has throughout the rest of the season. He has to be aggressive, he has to look for contact, and he has to be comfortable taking free throws. It's only a one-game sample, but it looked like he improved on that over the summer. Second thing, Joel Embiid. Only 23 minutes from the guy who's supposed to be your franchise player. Why? Well, he got five fouls. His conditioning probably isn't great. After the summer, I know that Embiid is a guy that the Sixers have to be very, very careful with. But this showed, like we mentioned a couple podcasts ago, the impact of Al Horford. 31 minutes, 16 points. Maybe not the flashiest stats, but he was there when they needed him to be. And with him beat out, they're going to need him to be there a lot this season. But now, moving into a game that I think all of us here in New York care about. The Brooklyn Nets losing a one-point game to the Minnesota Timberwolves. Shocking result, result for me. But the most noteworthy thing to come out of it, Kyrie Irving, fifty points. I mean, he had a monster game. Um,
2: it's very unfortunate because he had fifty-eight and eight, and even after the game, he was like, "Well, these stats, I mean, they don't really mean anything unless you get the win." Um, Kyrie, you know, he slipped on the last play, and he did get a good look, and then overtime. But I mean, the Timberwolves don't, you know, don't sleep on them too. Like they had a really good game as well. Um, I think their coach, I'm forgetting his name off the top of my head, but Ryan Saunders. He, Ryan Saunders, there you go. Um, he definitely had a great game plan um for the Nets coming into their first game. I mean, yeah, Kyrie went off, but the rest of the team overall is pretty um the rest of the team really didn't show up. So I mean it was just Kyrie versus the Timberwolves in my opinion. So the Timberwolves were able to play a better team game. Do you think Kyrie slipped on the last
0: player or do you think it was on purpose? Um why would it be on purpose that he slipped? I thought it was like a street ball type move. Um he like fell, he had uh Josh Okogie, I believe he had him committed, and then he just swiped it away. I mean he found his balance pretty quickly, but Kyrie's such a magician with the ball that I think either of us could be right at this point. But
1: <laughs> well, I'm pretty impressed by Kyrie Irving. However, it did go to overtime, so and he is the main option right now, only until the playoffs. Then they'll have K D. But I don't, I don't get why people have maybe, right, right, I agree. But like, people act as if Kyrie did this with, you know, four other all-stars in his team. Like, he's the only reputable player on that team. So, in my opinion, although it might seem harsh, that was my expectation of him. Um, 50 points, not every night, but on opening night, 50 points from Kyrie Irving, you know, it doesn't shock me.
2: I mean, the Nets have good role players, you know, Spencer, the Spencer Dinwiddie's and Karis LeVert's of the world, and the Jerry Allens as well. They just didn't show up as much as Kyrie did yesterday. And I think if they played better games, I think the Nets definitely would have won this game easily. But like I said before, you know, don't sleep on the Timberwolves. I mean, Wiggins had a pretty good game. Carl Anthony Towns had a pretty good game. And, you know, their entire team like combined was able to overcome Kyrie's 50 points, which was
0: definitely very good on their part. Carl Anthony Towns had a monstrous game. But I expected that from, that from him. I want him to take that step forward. I want him to be able to lead the Minnesota Timberwolves day in and day out. But you mentioned Andrew Wiggins, and I think he's just such an interesting player because you look at him and it's like, wow, like he's so athletic, he can score, he can handle the ball. He's got all the tools to be able to play defense, but for some reason or the other, he can't just seem to put it all together. Last night, I believe he took 27 shots and he scored, let me look it up here real quick, but he got 21 points on 27 shots, which is terrible efficiency. I mean, it's awful. But you look at his actual game, you look at how the game developed, and he helped the Timberwolves win despite such horrible efficiency. I mean, in overtime, in the fourth quarter, he was getting to the rim whenever he wanted to, and he was drawing fouls and making things happen. I want to see this Andrew Wiggins more going forward. I want him to be aggressive. I don't want him to be taking those long twos, being passive. I want him to be able to use that superhuman athleticism, barrel his way to the rim, draw fouls, and make things happen. So hopefully, this is the start of that for him.
2: I definitely agree. I mean, Wiggins taking 27 shots, I mean, I kind of thought that was going to happen. You know, Wiggins does, he's a shoot, he's a scorer for the most part, so he takes a lot of shots. Um, But yeah, I definitely agree with you. He, should definitely be more aggressive and if he can get more efficient shots i think he can definitely you know go to that
0: next level so now our last game that we're going to talk about on the podcast today the denver nuggets beating the portland trailblazers 108 to 100 led by nikola Jokic after a very passive first half but he really really woke up especially in the fourth quarter Jokic with 20 points 13 rebounds Beating the Trailblazers, led by Damon Lillard and C.J. McCollum, as has been the case for the past few years now, what do you guys make of this? I mean, the Nuggets played a very well-rounded team game
2: against Portland yesterday, um, but also the win yesterday proved that you know the Nuggets aren't a team we should be sleeping on. I think with all the off-season drama that has happened, I think a lot of people forgot about the Denver Nuggets. Um, The Nuggets, you know, with Mike Malone as their coach, I mean, they did make it to the second round last year. And yes, they did lose to these Trailblazers in seven games. I definitely think they're one of the underrated title contenders in the West this year. But overall, yesterday, they played a
0: really good game to contain Damian Lillard and CJ McCall. Jokic said something after the game, actually, which I think kind of encapsulates what you just said, Anthony. He said, here in Denver, there isn't just one star It's a team. We all win together. We all lose together. And yeah, Jokic is going to be the one who's going to be an all-star. You know, it's not going to be Gary Harris being an all-star. But it's such a well-coached team, very well-drilled. They share the ball. They're unselfish. Big win over Portland after losing to them in seven last year. So the Denver Nuggets, for me, they're a top, top team to watch out for uh, in the Western Conference. They didn't add anyone of... I guess, a big name. They added Jeremy Grant, who I really like. He got 20 minutes for them last night. But, you know, you talk about basketball with your friends, and you're not going to be like, hey, the Denver Nuggets got Jeremy Grant. You know, that's mind-blowing. You're going to be like, hey, the Nuggets have Jokic. He delivered. Maybe Paul Millsap. But again, Mike Malone has done an exceptional job coaching this team. And I'm really looking forward to seeing how they continue to develop and incorporate the likes of Jamal Murray to have a bigger role after a couple of seasons where he's already done very well. And on the Portland side of things, I don't know. I mean, I like this team. I don't love this team, but I like them. I think Terry Stotts is a good coach. I love Damian Lillard. I think CJ McCollum is really, really good, despite only having 12 points last night. But I don't love Hassan Whiteside. Their bench is a lot worse than last year, so I'm not very optimistic about their chances of making it deep. Portland definitely regressed compared to
2: last season. I mean, but I think with Damian Lillard as their leader, they'll definitely be able to, you know, scare some people in the playoffs this year, I think. So, overall, I think the Blazers will be like a 6th, 7th seed, maybe a 5th seed if they, you know, a few games swing their way. But overall, if everything goes according to plan, um, they, sh- they could definitely shock a lot of teams and definitely make it to at least the second round, in my opinion.
1: All right, that's a wrap for this week. Um, We hope to see you guys next time. Tune in when we cover the NBA week two. See you then.